and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. This week, we have a smart home buyer's guide for you, where we're gonna go over all of the hand-tested gear that we have been uh, working on over the past few months, um, including pet gear, kitchen gear, and our all-around best smart home gear. So we put this uh, together each year for the magazine. It's our annual buyer's guide. And one of the things that we maybe don't hype up enough is that we have a policy that everything included in there has to be hand-tested by our editors. So we get enough of this huge wealth of experience testing all this gear, and then in the buyer's guide, we can only convey a very small amount of, with it. So this year, we thought it'd be fun to have a companion series of podcast episodes where we talk about the gear and go a little more in depth about each of the things that we reviewed and why we chose them. And we also have a rule in-house where we don't uh, include any gear that we would give less than three out of five stars if we were reviewing it individually. Mm -hmm. So really, we're bringing you the best of the best. Um, we also are um, just making a making sure to be really comprehensive with this so that we have tested all of the gear to only so we can definitively tell you what is the best. Because when it comes to smart home, it is an investment. So we want to make sure that you get the right stuff. Absolutely. So first, we have a message from our sponsor. Today's iPhone Life is brought to you by Eargo. Eargo makes a smart hearing aid that is virtually invisible. It's the perfect device for techie people with mild to moderate hearing loss. You can control the way you hear from your iPhone with immersive EQ controls that can be matched to whatever environment you're in. I think that's so cool. They also have a team of audiologists and hearing specialists that you can talk to over the phone or via their website. They're currently offering a free sample so you can try it out and see if it's a good fit. You can find Eargo at their website, eargo.com. That's E-A-R-G-O.com. Today's iPhone Life podcast is brought to you by Matthias. Matthias makes keyboards that look and feel like the discontinued Apple keyboards, but they've improved upon the design a lot. For one, they've added the numeric keypad over on the side. I think this is essential, especially if you're doing spreadsheet work, anything where you're inputting a lot of numbers. I personally find the number pad to be critical on a keyboard. They've also added two extra USB ports, so you can connect a mouse, a hard drive, anything you want, right there to your keyboard. There's a precision volume adjuster right on the top, and I've got the wired version, but they also have a wireless version, a Bluetooth one, that can pair to your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, up to four devices, and you can switch between them in an instant with the push of a button. The wireless one also has an incredible battery life. You only have to charge it once a year. Also, I just wanna say it feels great to type on. They've really improved on the form of the keyboard. Honestly, no matter how you use your computer, it's such a game changer to have a good quality keyboard. It makes such a difference in your daily quality of life. You can find Matthias keyboards at matthias.ca. That's M-A-T-I-A-S dot C-A. Upgrade your keyboard today with Matthias. This week's episode of the iPhone Life podcast is brought to you by Informant 5. Informant 5 is a calendar app for the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, and Mac, which combines a bunch of productivity functions into one interface. This means that all of your tasks, meetings, contacts, and notes can be found in one place. 
Personally, I find that Apple's calendar app can be a little confusing to use. Informant 5 has improved on this concept by adding more functionality and making the interface simpler to use. For instance, in the monthly view on Apple's calendar app, sometimes you'll just see a little dot if you have something scheduled. Informant 5 is a little better in this regard because in the monthly view, you can actually see the text of everything you have scheduled in the month. They've got a free trial going on right now. Check it out, try it for yourself. You can look up Informant 5 on the App Store or go to pocketinformant.com to find it. Upgrade your calendar app today with Informant 5. Now I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our free newsletter. It's called iPhone Life Tip of the Day. When you sign up, we send you a one minute tip in your inbox every morning that teaches you something cool you can do with your Apple devices, uncovering hidden features that you didn't know about. We have 600,000 happy subscribers who are getting their tip every morning and who love it. And you can join them too by going to iphonelife.com slash daily tip. I also wanted to take a moment to tell you about our premium subscription called iPhone Life Insider. We have this amazing educational platform for Apple enthusiasts and lifelong learners. Uh, we include live courses, which we're teaching monthly in 2024. We're teaching more live courses than we ever have before. Um, and this includes live sessions with our expert in-house instructors on topics from shortcuts to the iPad to the new iOS. We also have downloadable PDFs that you can follow along with step-by-step -step instructions. And then of course, on-demand videos too just that teach you all about getting the most out of your Apple devices. You're also joining this a community of other Apple enthusiasts where you can learn from each other. You get access to our team where you can ask us questions about any of your Apple devices, we'll answer them. Also a digital subscription to iPhone Life Magazine, which includes quarterly issues like our buyer's guide. That's where our entire team of 20 writers has been spending months testing gear to bring you the best of the best. You get all of that with an insider subscription um, and also our best apps issue where we test hundreds of apps to tell you the best. So uh, our insider subscription is a lot of fun and you can get an extra 30% off just for being a podcast listener by going to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And if you're a senior service personnel or veteran, you get an extra 10% off. So that's up to 40% off if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And Donna mentioned the live classes, which we're really excited to be teaching monthly. Uh, coming up in December, we're gonna have our shortcuts class, which is awesome because shortcuts is just, an app which is so powerful but kind of tricky to use and so we're gonna break it down teach you the fundamentals and teach you some cool shortcuts uh and if you don't know shortcuts are automations you can set up using your iphone so you can ask siri you can say good morning to siri and it can order your favorite coffee at uh at starbucks or adjust the lights in your house things like that so it actually compares really well with our home smart home episode uh so if you are an insider make sure you check that out and if not it's a really good time to subscribe and then coming up in january we're going to be teaching our camera course which is one of our most popular courses we've ever taught we taught it a couple years ago so we're bringing it back and it's how to get the most out of your iphone camera um there's so many settings and tips and tricks to take great photos of your friends and family and we'll walk you through all of that plus we'll walk you through how to use the new camera if you have the new iphone 
And this year will be our first time including a photo challenge along with the camera yes. course where all of our insiders can will get assignments every week and be able to share them with each other. Um, we're going to rebrand. We're still brainstorming the branding. Assignment doesn't sound fun. Maybe <laughs> it'll be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, a challenge or I can't remember. There's some other ideas, but stay tuned. Yes. Um, I Speaking of the shortcuts, I just set up my morning routine shortcut, oh. which I am loving. That gives me the weather forecast, tells me... Um, tells me what I have on my schedule for the day, plays my news podcast, and starts a morning playlist, and also connects to my smart home, turns on my lights in the morning. Um, I have not, I want to get a smart coffee maker so it can turn on my coffee maker too. Dang, yeah. I know you're always making fun of me for my enthusiasm about my Tesla, but can I tell you <laughs> that <laughs> Tesla, yeah, Tesla now has shortcuts compatibility. So oh, you what? can tell Siri good morning and you can defrost your car. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. I am not kidding you. I haven't defrost set it up yet. Defrost meaning like remote start? Yeah, like... you can remote start your car. You can defrost it. You can warm up your seats and your steering wheel. December in Iowa, this is sounding yeah. like really compelling to me. I actually, I'm, I'm <laughs> bragging about it. I haven't set it up yet. Uh, but uh, Lenny, who is somebody on our staff, also has a Tesla and she was telling me about this. So I need to get on it. Yeah, you for sure need to. Like that would be life changing for me. Trying to get to the gym in the morning right now is complete torture. And yeah. if I had that, it would, yeah, it would one be a game changer. One of these days, we're going to do a Tesla episode because it has so many iPhone compatibilities. And just if you're into tech, it's fun to hear about all the new stuff. But it's the app is so much better than any other car experience I've had. Like I can control the everything with it, and it's so cool. Yeah, we have a pretty good hunch that a lot of you would be excited about Tesla. So you can let us know if that's true. <laughs> send, yeah, send us an email, podcast at iPhoneLife.com. If yeah. you don't care about hearing about my Tesla, then I'm happy to just lecture Donna in my own time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know. Are you into Tesla? Do you want to hear more? All right, um, should we do this? Yes. Okay, so I have a tip I wanted to tell you all about yes. today. So our tip for this episode is how to keep your home and work separate with Safari profiles. And I'm sharing this because it's my like latest discovery that I love and I'm obsessed with. And so I thought I should talk about it. Yeah, and this is just as a context, Safari profiles are new with macOS Sonoma, right? This is new. Okay. Yeah, iOS 17, it's across your devices. So it works with iOS 17, iPadOS 17, and now macOS Sonoma. And I would recommend getting the latest software on all those devices because it's the most convenient if you can use this feature across your different devices. But essentially, this is a feature that Chrome has had for a long time, and it was a feature I liked enough that I would use Chrome anytime I was using my Google accounts because it, Chrome lets you have profiles that basically keeps you logged into a certain account with a certain profile. So that now applies to Safari, and I use it mainly for my multiple Google accounts, um, but you can also just use it for, any, for all accounts. So I have my work Safari profile, I'm logged into my work Google suite and then also just all of our, you know, work accounts. And that way, when I switch to that Safari profile, I have, um, I don't have to keep logging in and out of stuff, which mm -hmm. is just a nuisance. And so it's really nice to have that. Also, you can customize your favorites bar, um, <clears throat> extensions, so you can have like customized Safari experiences based on. Like, you know, I have my work one personal. And do you find that it just like 
works seamlessly yes. because my experience, I got really excited when Apple came out with like these group tabs, but I found that it just didn't work at all for me. Yeah, so I've tab groups for me was sort of a failed experiment. I was excited when Apple first released it. So I'm glad we're following up because I think at the time I was like, I've set up all these tab groups and then yeah. like you should too. With a similar use case. Yes, um, but this to me is like an actually functional feature, whereas tab groups ended up just being unnecessary. I would forget what tab group I'm in. With this, I actually am conscious of like I have a window open with my personal um, and I have a window for my work stuff and I'm like, it, it, you can color code it. So it's also easy to see, like I'm in my work Safari cool. profile. Um, and yeah, I've, I'm, I'm a big fan and it's worked really well. And we, and this probably fits a lot of you, which is why I'm bringing it up, we use Google Suite for our business. So what that means is that Donna and I both have personal Google accounts for our calendars, our Gmail, and then business accounts for our Gmail and calendar. And I'm constantly toggling between the two, and it does sort of drive me nuts. Yeah. So this is a good solution for that. And also just, you know, another example would be if you have work accounts, like if you let someone else use your computer, you might want to switch to your personal one so that there's not an easy way to like log into work stuff for yeah, them. Yeah, that's a um, good idea. There's just a lot of reasons, but Google for me is the main one. But so the way you set this up on an iPhone is that you go open the settings app, go to Safari, and there you can tap new profile and you can set up different profiles from there. And if you tap once you've set it up, once you tap on that, you'll have the option to set an icon and a color code for that. Um, and if you're on your Mac and you want to set this up, you actually just open Safari and then go into your Safari settings. And from there you can, um, under pro there's a new thing in the menu bar called profiles and you can add them from there. Um, so that, that's it. I think the main thing I wanted to share with you all, it's very simple to set up, but I wanted to explain why it's different and better than tab groups. <laughs> tab groups still exists and you can have different tab groups you're using while in profiles. But once this feature came out, I just went in and I deleted all my tab groups. I My problem with tab groups was that you couldn't have, what I wanted was to open up my computer and have a preset like tabs open up for me. So for example, my work email and say Google Analytics or something. But with that tab group, when you had that tab open, when it, wherever you navigated from there, it would just stay there. So I just ended up with a bunch of tabs open for each of my groups that just had really random things wherever I just left off and I like hated it. Yeah, exactly. The same thing happened to me all yeah. the time. Uh, I had a recipes tab group that just ended up being half recipes and then half a bunch of other random stuff because, of course, I forgot. You exactly. know? And there was so much work to, like, manage it that then why are you even doing it? Yeah. And then with shared tab groups, too, you can share them with people. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm like, if you forget you're in a tab group and you, like, search a bunch of who knows what, like, and then other people have access to it, it just doesn't seem like a great feature yeah. to me. Yeah. No, it was a failed experiment. So that's good to know that this works better. Yeah. Um, I did have a bonus tip. Usually we just do one tip each episode, but there's one that I'm excited about. So I was going to mention it and it's now you can add a video voicemail to your FaceTime calls. And I don't know if you like you can leave oh. a video message for people when they don't pick up. And I've been having a lot of fun with this because um, my sisters and I like FaceTime each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to like, well, we have a group chat going and like one of us will just try a FaceTime here and there. And sometimes we happen to all pick up. 
other times not. And it is nice to still be able to just like leave a little message. Like my sister's birthday was on, uh, was last week. And so, um, I got to like leave her a happy, me singing happy birthday to her. She didn't pick up. That's cute. And so I feel like that's one that people, um, you know, I don't think that many people know that no, it exists. No, I didn't know. And yeah. So you have to go turn it on to enable it? No. It's oh, just okay. once you have iOS 17, you make the FaceTime call, it'll ring for a bit. And when it, like, you just have to let it keep ringing. And then at some point, it'll prompt you to leave a video message. See, it, is, it is still a good reminder, though, because I will hang <clears throat> up. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't wait to for the machine to pick up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's something like 15 seconds or 20 okay. seconds, and then you can leave a message. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Those are my tips for the day. Um, I did have a comment from a listener before we get into um, before we get into our smart home buyers guide. Yes. So Stephen wrote in um, about our recent Mac event coverage. Apple came out with a M3 iMac and MacBook Pro, and uh, we had had this letter in. Good morning. I want to purchase an iMac, largely due to the price point. Um, I'm still using an Intel MacBook Pro. It's still going strong as of this email, but I don't travel as much as I used to. So I think a desktop would be the best selection for me. M1, M2, or M3 chip would all work for me. I don't really need the latest and greatest, but it's always nice to have just in case. Ha ha ha. <laughs> However, in all reality, I doubt I would ever need a, a, such a beast as the M3. As always, keep doing what you and the iPhone Life team does best. And thanks for all you do for us. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Um, but I thought this was a fun one to read out because we haven't had, oh, like on our team, we all really like the portability of a uh, um, laptop. Yes. And so it's nice to hear from someone who does have more of a use case for getting the new M3 iMac. I also, Stephen, don't do a ton of really heavy processes on my Mac, so I probably wouldn't need the M3, but like it is, starting price for it is what, uh, $12.99 for the latest. Apple doesn't even sell the M2. They're not offering the M2 on their website anymore. Um, And so I kind of feel like you might as well future-proof and get that M3 and enjoy yeah exactly um and the imac is such a great computer if you don't travel it's a really great computer because it's just all in one it's a nice beautiful screen i love apple's uh monitors so you get a beautiful monitor and uh for a very affordable price yeah and it's nice just for those you like less familiar the mac mini which is just the actual computer and you still need to get a separate monitor starts at six hundred dollars but people that's very deceiving because monitors are expensive if you get a nice one and the imac comes with this really beautiful 24 inch display and you know all included starts at 12.99 can i tell you what i did over black friday that i'm a little bit embarrassed of did you buy one i did not buy that but i broke all of my purchase recommendations to everybody. Did you buy the MacBook Pro 13 inch? No. For- Would you-, <laughs> you can keep guessing. No, just right. um, I bought for uh, my partner's daughter, who is 13. So it'll, this will be her first computer. Okay. I bought a MacBook Air M1. Oh, and so is this breaking your rules because the future proofing? Yeah, you know- for the future proofing. And I got it with eight gigabytes of RAM. Oh, wow. I know, but it was her first computer, and I think it'll be powerful enough for a 13-year-old. And for Black Friday, they had it on sale for $750. I mean, that's an incredible price. Like the M2, if you, because I, if, if I got the M2 MacBook Air, so really recommendation number one was wait till the spring when they come out with the M3, but she needs a computer and it's Black Friday. 
And if I'd gone the M2 with 16 gigabytes of RAM, which would have been my preferred choice, it was gonna literally be like 1400 bucks. So it's almost twice the price. They just had a really good sale on it. So for the right price, you'll bend your values. I'll bend my morals for the right price, yeah. No, <laughs> no I, think, I think really what it clarified for me is it really depends on the use case. And for light, very light use, if you want an entry-level computer, the M1 is good enough, in my opinion. That's what, and, and 8 gigabytes of RAM is good enough. Yeah, I mean, this like we don't talk a lot also about buying devices for kids. Yeah, and I do think it's a different story. Like I got the iPad Air for my nephew. My parents and I went in on that, but there was a, we we went back and forth on should we just get the iPad tenth generation? Because um, like he's nine, and is he going to just destroy this really nice iPad yeah. Air? Yeah, I ended up just getting him a really hardcore case to go with it, but. Um, in general, I would say don't get like the best device for your child. We don't talk about for kids. <laughs> and in general, you know, I think our budgeting recommendation are for adults. Where yeah. if you're taking the time to do the research, listen to the podcast, you're buying a new computer, the extra $200 is probably worth it. But like if you are, if you want a Mac and you want an entry level budget Mac, those are hard to come by. And so I guess my guideline, my guidance there, because I did it, is it is okay to get an M1 to get that entry level computer. It is good enough because the M1 chip is still very powerful. Uh, and eight gigabytes of RAM is enough if you're just doing light processing. Uh, but if you are, you know, I if you have the budget, it certainly wouldn't be the top choice. But I was... I was amused that I did it after telling everybody else not to do it. That is amusing. Um, but one thing I would add to that, and I think we have both said this before, is that if you just have one of Apple's own chips, which starts with the M1, like that's going to be a great computer generally. Yes. And like what we really wouldn't recommend is like we do think everyone should have Apple's processors like they I, are so great that was I agree and that was where I drew the line because a yeah. lot of times for kids people want to get a really budget computer and you know there's some Intel Macs especially if you buy them online used or whatever that's like four or five hundred dollars don't do, do that it. Yeah, yeah I drew the line that was exactly what I said because not only did I do it but then um her cousin also got one thankfully she doesn't listen to our podcast otherwise <laughs> she would know her Christmas present uh her cousin also got one and um I, I said that exact thing. I was like, don't get an Intel processor. As long as you get a Mac processor, you're future-proofed enough for the budget. Yeah. And I just have to add, I feel like that's a really sweet present to get as a 13-year-old. It was a I, Or as any age. Yes. So I, I think that was a very good purchase Thank on your part. Thank you for not shaming me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the buyer's guide. Okay. And I am so excited because not only do we do hours and hours of hands-on research, I did the smart home. So yeah. I have so much information to share with you guys. And I got, I just moved into a new home. So I got really excited and just totally went for it. Yeah, that's a fun one. David is going to be our main expert on this, but I actually have copied him and gotten a lot of the same products he's recommended <laughs> over the years. So I will have a lot to chime in as well. But not only did David write the smart home roundup, he also wrote the pet gear roundup. Yes. And I also have a pet, and so I have thoughts to add as okay, well. Okay, yes, definitely Donna has gone hard into the smart home arena as well. So <laughs> we, we all have lots of thoughts. Yes. 
All right, shall we start with your top smart home recommendation? Yeah, I think so. But I think so. We did a smart home episode in the spring, so we're we not should gonna, link to that, which we should in link the show to notes. it. I do want to add the quick. I'm not going to go too deep into like pros and cons of setting up a smart home, but I want to add a few guideline principles before I get into the actual products, if that's okay. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, number one. Recap. Okay, so number one, smart homes are tricky. So in general, the products that I review here are easy to set up for a smart home. But in general, I would recommend if you're planning on going the smart home route, either having somebody who can help you if you're not very tech savvy or making sure you have the patience to set up because all of these things in my experience take longer than you'd expect. Number two, the most important rule that I would recommend is when possible, buy HomeKit compatible products. So pretty much everything on this list is gonna be HomeKit compatible. What that means is Apple, the iPhones and iPads and everything else comes with a Home app and HomeKit compatible products can be controlled through the Home app. And that has a few really important benefits. Number one, it means you can use Siri to control these products. Number two, you can set up automations in the home app so that you can control multiple devices from multiple brands across in one app. So that's where you get to these really cool automations we were just talking about where you say good morning to Siri and suddenly your lights turn on, your heat adjusts, all these things happen. That can only happen if you get HomeKit compatible products. HomeKit compatible products are often the nicer of the products, so they tend to be a little more expensive, but they tend to be nicer quality anyway. So for example, smart lights, which we'll get into, you can get really cheap smart lights, but they won't be HomeKit compatible and they won't work very well. So in general, you get what you pay for and HomeKit compatible is where is the way to go. And it'll say on, on the website. So if you're on Amazon, if you're somewhere else, you can always go and look and it'll, it should say there's a little icon that says HomeKit compatible or works with Apple or something like that. I think Philips Hue and Nanoleaf are both really great HomeKit compatible lights. And I think for me, lighting is the most important for HomeKit. Although I would say you can get HomeKit in general, get HomeKit. Yeah, I, it'd be, it, if you... There's a few times where I break this rule in here, but in general, I think it is worth it. Lighting, I agree, is the most important, but it's just so nice to have everything work with Siri. Yeah. Um, and then the third rule is when it comes, some of these products are going to be more security focused uh, and they'll have cameras. When you're talking about cameras, you definitely need to make sure you're getting a reputable brand because there have been a lot of... Uh, this is where privacy and security are don't go hand in hand because you have security, you have a camera, but there's been some privacy concerns over some of these brands where people can access a camera and you really don't want that. So that's my third warning. Okay, so why don't we start by diving into the smart lights because we started talking about them. Yes, so... My latest favorite brand is Nanoleaf just because they have so many options and they have all the basic bulbs as well. And it's cheaper than Philips Hue. Yeah, you, I know. So we should do, because I'm still really into Philips Hue. Yeah, I mean, Philips Hue is great too. But, um, yeah. So let's talk, I mean, in general, let's start talking about the benefits of smart lights. I think it's obvious, but you can control the lights in your house through your phone and through Siri. So you can, when you leave the house, have all the lights turn off. When you get home, all the lights turn on. Uh, or you can say, you know, when I go to bed, I'll say turn off all the lights in my house and they'll all turn off. 
Um, also, I love Philips uses colored lights um, because you can build these really nice color palettes so that your house isn't just all bright yellow lights, but you have a nice pink or at night I'll do a blue or something like that. Um, I enjoy Philips Hughes because they, I find, have the nicest colors and they have a really nice app where they have these preset color palettes that are just really nice. Whereas I've used some of the other ones like Wiz, which is not HomeKin compatible. Uh, yeah, don't do that. they just have these weird, like, they don't have nice light colors. I don't know how to explain why. It feels kind of like it, that hollow tinny, like I can't, it's like yeah. just feels kind of like fluorescent, unflattering light, whereas Philips Hue, like you're like wrapped in a blanket, warm light. Yes, yeah, exactly. But Philips Hue's lights are really expensive. The Philips Hue starter pack is $159. For, a lot. That's like what, three light bulbs? It's, uh, let me pull it up. It is two bulbs and a dimmer switch. Yeah. So I will say this. So a couple other thoughts for Philips. Um, number one, I want to apologize to everybody because we planned <laughs> on doing this episode before Black Friday. Uh, and then and David got COVID. I got COVID. And so we Yeah, couldn't. I feel like you can't be too sorry about that. It's like, <laughs> this is what fair. are you going to do? So we're in time for the holidays. You can still buy this stuff on Christmas. But Philips Hughes in particular always does Black Friday deals. So I just have a habit now of anytime there's Black Friday or anytime there's um, Cyber Week, Memorial Day, a typical sale day, I'll just buy a couple of Philips Hughes because you do sort of want to get all one brand. It's a lot nicer if all of your lights work together. Uh, well, if they are all HomeKit, though, they don't have to be the same brand and they work. They don't have to be, but then you have to use the HomeKit app to control the colors. Whereas yeah. Philips Hughes, their, their native app, you can have such beautiful color palettes and you lose that ability. Oh, I've been using Apple's Home app because I have a combo of NanoLeaf and Philips Hue lights. I've still been happy with it for the record, but that's do you? Good to know. So does it like how does it work? Because what I love about Philips Hughes is you can. It's like you'll put on something like I'm trying to think of one of my favorites. It'll be like uh, Spring Blossom, and then all the lights will be like a different combination of like light pinks and whites across the oh, house, nice. and so it, they all work together to look nice. But you, they kind of have a whole palette as opposed to like with the home app, I believe you just say pink and then they're all pink, right? Well, also you set it yourself. Like does, are those presets that Philips yeah. Hue offers? That's nice too. Cause um, no, like you just go in, like you have a whole like rainbow of colors you can choose from. So it's more fiddly. Like, and so I have seen set up like I have one called Cozy Home, which is all really warm lights across the house. But I went in on each bulb, went and like yeah. found just, just the shade I liked, which still gave me a ton of control and a ton of options. And the quality of light was really great. But it would be nice just to have like already a bunch of really nice shades picked out that you could choose from. And it's nice because you can quickly toggle. In the holidays, they have like a Christmas theme or we did a Halloween theme for that's the cute. Halloween party. Oh, yeah. Um, so but I'll give you so that's I think Definitely, you can have smart lights across multiple brands and just manage in the home app. But in an ideal world, you'll choose one brand. Uh, and so I'll give you a minute to to hype up the Nanoleaf. Tell tell me why you like Nanoleaf over Hue now. Well, so I just got the Nanoleaf Elements, which is the they're the wall sort of ambiance lights mm -hmm. that um, 
sort of like a wood grain pattern and you make the design that you want on your wall and it just creates this really beautiful glow and it has really amazing presets like there's one called yes. firefly that slowly lights up um and it just for me the setup was so easy even easier than philips hue i got philips hue wise and nano leaf bulbs wise was a nightmare for me yeah they suck. Um, because they're not HomeKit compatible and it just kept on like not pairing properly. Like I just spent so much time trying to get them to work and it wouldn't. It's a good example of why you should, why the smart home uh, roundup and the buyer's guide in general is so great because we really take the time to troubleshoot this. And I agree, yeah. Wise was terrible. If you value your time as money, then, <laughs> it, then it's just worth paying more for well, the nice and Especially for smart home and smart lights, where if you get a cheap brand, like the lights don't turn on half the time. And then it's yeah. really frustrating. But yeah, my Philips hues work really well. The Nano Leaf, like you just, I didn't even, I feel like there was like no setup. Yeah, you the just, setup is great. There's a QR code on the side of the bulb. You scan that, you plug it in, and it's like working with the home app immediately. Um, it's worked really well with the home app in general and, and in conjunction with Philips Hue. And they have um, a bunch of bulbs too, like colorful bulbs, and they're cheaper. I want to pull up the price to check on it, but um, I think it was something like half the price of okay. Philips Hue lights. Yeah, no, Philips Hue lights mm. are, are um, an investment, especially because my other recommendation, not only is it nice to stick with one brand, it is nice to a minimum have all the lights in a room be that. And ideally, if you have all the lights in the house, that's where you can get to really powerful automations like control the colors of your whole house or have all the lights turn off when you go to bed. If you only have a few random light bulbs here and there, you, you really lose a lot of the smart functionality. Yeah, so the smart bulb, the nano leaf bulbs are $15 each. So... For two, you're going to be spending $30 instead of $160. But I think you, to be fair, because we're kind of looking up prices on the fly. Yeah, that's maybe not apples to apples. Yeah, because in my experience, I tend to get the bulbs when I get them. You need a starter kit because it came with a dimmer. But, like, you can get them for pretty close to $15, I believe. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's too much more than that. Okay. Um, but I just think either of those are solid options. Yes, definitely they're both good options. So shop around. And while we're talking about Nanoleaf, Donna and I both love Nanoleaf elements. So it's a little hard to describe. Donna was already describing a little bit, but it's it's, it's a panel that you put on your wall and it's modular. So it comes with like uh, the one we like is Elements. They have a few. So some of them are like these really crazy neon colors, and those are fun if you're into a really futuristic look in your home. But what's nice about the Elements one is that it looks, I would mm. say, uh, it, it looks nice if you're not into a futuristic look in your home. Let's put it that way. For sure. Some of the light, like it, you can then, once you've set it up, you can choose from a bunch of different looks of the different type of light and the tone. And some of them will look more techy because it like ripples and moves, uh -huh. and, you know, but you can go for more classic look too. So I think it's just a lot more versatile yeah. um, than they're more like neon and. Yeah. And so what they figures. are is they are hexagons and you cut the base package comes with, I believe, eight and you can, can configure them however you want on your wall. So depending on the wall you're putting it on, you can have it be a big vertical or horizontal. Uh, and then it will, you can control it with your iPhone and you have all these different presets for lighting. It also can respond to music. You could, if you have music on, it can do a pattern based on music. It responds to touch. I haven't so tried that touch yet. It, 
it's fun. It definitely it gets more into the futuristic thing yeah. where, where it can be your vibe or not. But it definitely is cool when it's like flashing the music. The color ones, if you go that route, are really cool for music. Um, oh, I've yeah. Had I feel like I remember seeing that at your house. Yeah, I yeah. Ha I've had those in the past as well. But in general, I think we both really like them. It really is a nice, like, smart lights can have a, a nice effect because you have a lot of powerful automations and the colors are, are can kind of enhance the quality of the room. But this is almost like an art display on the wall. Like, it can replace a piece of art on the wall while also be like a lamp in the room. I have a room that I don't have a light in, and so I put it on the wall there, and it really has a nice quality of light while also being kind of a cool thing in the room. One thing with the Nanoleaf elements is ahead of time, I I really like wanted a light source in a room because it was dark in there. And like exactly. some of the online reviews, were, some were saying, really, it's more of just like, um, it's just for show. It doesn't actually offer any light. I would say that's not true. It, it, it does I agree. brighten up the room quite a bit. But I would say like if you wanted it by your bed for reading, it's questionable whether or not it'd be quite enough to make it comfortable to read. I would by. think of it in terms of a lamp, not like your primary light source. Like if yeah. I, what I did is I had that plus a lamp in the room. I had a home kit. I had a, a hue lamp. So I have a nice pretty color plus this and it, it works. Yeah. I think this is a great thing. Like if you kind of you're into smart home stuff and you're kind of techie, it's just a fun project because also it comes with this fun installation guide where you can use augmented reality to make a pattern on your wall. And like, it works really well and helped me. Like I would have set something up on my wall that would have looked terrible if I didn't use their AR setup guide. That's uh, cool. So that, yeah. That must be new. I don't think I had that when I set it up. Really? Yeah. yeah. You can like choose the the shape of your hexagons and like place it on the wall through the camera viewfinder really and cool. uh, get an, a really clear idea of what it's going to look like when you put it up. That's yeah. Okay. Hmm. Now we can circle back around to the top of our list, which is a smart doorbell. Smart doorbell. I don't have a smart doorbell. Have I, yeah. I haven't convinced you in all of these years <laughs> that it's worthwhile. So I feel sort of ashamed that I actually, <laughs> um, I actually have one now that I have not set up yet. Oh. Um, Ecobee just came out with one, and, and I have their thermostat, and we both love their thermostat, yes. but they just came out with a smart video doorbell. They sent it to me. I still need to get it installed. Okay. But you did you did convince me it's a good idea. Yeah, so let's <laughs> talk about why smart doorbells are a good idea, and then I'll tell you about my brand. Um, so they serve a number of functions, which is why I like them. And I think people in general, and by people, I mean Donna, uh, <laughs> You think of a, a smart doorbell and you just think of it as like, oh, why do I need to see somebody when they ring a doorbell? Which, A, I think it is actually really nice because if you're not at home, you can see, you can talk to them and say, hey, I'm not at home. But there's a number of other functions that's really nice. So first of all, you can, um, it serves a security camera so you can see if somebody's at your door, like somebody trying to break into your home. And I've never had somebody trying to break into my home, but I've had a number of situations where like somebody's at my door and I don't know why, especially if like my partner's kids are there and what's going on and you can talk to them and see what's going on. Um, so for example, somebody came to let me know my dog got out and I could talk to them and know that my dog had gotten out even oh, though I wasn't so home. Oh, that's so nice. I would love that. Yeah. Um, it's also nice if you have a big household because you can just kind of see who's coming and going and like who's home and what time they got home. Uh, it <laughs> also can see if you can see if you have a package at your door. Um, so there's just a number of reasons why I really like it. Is this a feature that the kids like? <laughs> um, you know, I think they have mixed feelings. I don't think 
we love that we can see when they come and go and if say they snuck out for example yeah <laughs> they have not yet snuck out thankfully um but they will sometimes come home with like 10 friends and we'll be like oh my god what just happened yeah but they do <laughs> they have started using it as a communication tool for us so if they want to say something to us they'll just ring the doorbell and just leave us a little message <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> yeah it's really funny that's fun um so i think smart home uh sorry smart doorbells is something everybody should have honestly um and the brand that I chose is Arlo uh, because it's HomeKit compatible. There's a million of them. They all have pros and cons. Uh, but this one's pretty high quality and it's HomeKit compatible. It was easy to set up. And um, so the other route you need to figure out for this is you can either get one that's wired. If you have a doorbell already, I would recommend getting a wired one, although then you need to know how to do the wiring, which I don't, or you can get a battery powered one, which is really easy. You don't need any electric work at all, but then you're constantly charging it. So that's what I'm dealing with. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, it will detect packages, which is really nice. So it'll say there's a pet at the door or there's a package at the door or a person at the door. Next to that. So like if someone came in the night while you're asleep, like, will it wake you up? Like, how does that, for, how so does that you work? Can, it does come with, like, mm. a sort of smart monitoring system if you want to. I don't have that set up, but you can have it so if somebody comes at night, it'll, like, set off the alarm and maybe call the police. I haven't gone too deep in that route because there is some room with all these. You can have it sort of misfire and then call the police because, like, your cat walked by or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't set that up. I would recommend if you want to go that route, having an actual security system, like Simply Safe. Um, but you can set up things like that if you want. I'm going to report back on the Ecobee because um, Ecobee, like we said, is a brand we like. And it looks like it has all of the same features you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to let you know and we could do like a side by side. Yeah. In my experience, and I tested a number of brands for this and in my experience, they kind of were all pretty comparable. So really what you're looking for is a, a reputable brand. Don't buy a cheap brand and reputable also doesn't just mean cheap. Amazon has a pretty questionable security record for this. For example, they, they own ring and ring doorbells have some con security concerns. I don't recommend them. Uh, and you don't have any cameras inside your home, right? Uh, that's That was a line I drew. I don't yeah. have any inside my home. I have mixed feelings because feel. it is sometimes nice, but I didn't do it. Um, the other one I tested. The teddy bear. with I feel like the, it's like your worst nightmare. It's like the teddy bear that has a camera as his eyes inside the home or something. Yeah, yeah I agree. Don't want to do it. I agree. It's creepy. Um, I actually tested. This was um, one of the few non-HomeKit compatible products I tested was Google Nest has a really nice doorbell that I really like. Oh, really? Um, and so is there much like inconvenience of it not being HomeKit compatible? It's really not a big deal, which is why I decided I didn't care. Um, yeah. And they can recognize people, which is really nice. So you can train it to be like, David has arrived home. Uh, That's wild. And also, it just I, it looked a little bit nicer. It was easy to set up. So I like both of them. One recommendation I would have is, um, so I have three entry points in my house, which sucks because mm. you kind of then want three doorbells. Yeah. Plus, because- uh, Do you? <laughs> uh, well, I yes, I do now. Uh, I have to set up the third one. But plus, I have a couple um, security cameras around the sides of the house. Uh, and so I really recommend if you're going to go that route to pick up one brand.
because because I was testing this, I didn't do that, and I have a bunch of different brands. Yeah, and it drives my partner crazy because you have to remember what brand is what door and who yeah. you're talking to at what door, and like you have to view, check three apps in the morning to see if like anything security incidents happened at night. So I recommend. Plus, you have to have three subscriptions. So these all come with subscription plans, which I hate. That is a good detail to know. Yes, and how both, expensive? They're pretty cheap, but it adds up. Um, so it's per device, and it can start, I think, at maybe like 3 or $4 a month. But if you have a bunch of them, it can add up to maybe $15 a month. It's not crazy, but it adds up. Is there a free version, or do you have to pay for there, all of them? It's free, but you really, I really strongly recommend paying because usually where they draw the line is with cloud storage. But you want to store these things so that you can check them later. You can check the logs and see, like, did anybody, if somebody were to steal anything, you would want to be able to look back and see that that footage so you want to pay for it for that reason plus there's a number of other benefits um ecobee i'm looking at also has plans but they do have a fr the free version gives you a 30-day video history just like snapshots of it versus like the whole all the footage so it's not as powerful i, I do know. i do recommend shopping around because i think yeah. you end up paying a lot more in your subscription fee than you do for the camera itself that being said, I strongly recommend you getting the subscription fee to get that footage. There's been so many times. Every once in a while, I'll be lazy and I won't pay for it. And there'll be so many times where you don't, where you're like, oh, shoot, I really wish I could watch that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Smart video doorbells. That is one that, um, you know, David is telling us is essential. I'll have to report back on that. One that I... 100% agree with you on because we've talked about this before is a smart lock for your front door. Yes. Before we get into that, because I think, can, can I just talk about security cameras real quick? Because they're sure. kind of companion products. Yeah, yeah. So I also went with Arlo uh, and they have a wide range. So I'd recommend comparing and contrasting. And actually a funny thing happened where I reviewed one doorbell and then they released the next generation. And because we have a policy of hands-on, then I had to test the next generation. Um, So they just came out with a new generation of doorbells which is nice um and i would recommend the essential which is that's their doorbell it can be both wired or wireless it's hd it works pretty well at night um so yeah i think that's the one i'd recommend uh for the security camera i have the pro 5s 2k and basically i think that's kind of their top of the line one um it works really well. So it has a bunch of cool features. It has a spotlight on it. So at night, if somebody walks by, it'll turn on the light, which is actually really nice. I have mine at an area of the house that's pretty dark. So it's actually a nice feature. You get like a light built in. It has a 12x zoom. So it'll automatically zoom where the motion is detected. So if somebody's like walking pretty far away, it'll zoom in and you can like see it if there's something sketchy happening. Uh, and again, I recommend picking one brand. So if you go Ecobee, I'd recommend going all in on Ecobee. Arlo, I really liked, so I'd recommend that. Really easy to set up. It's battery powered, which is the pros and cons there is you have to charge it periodically. But I literally, I'm so not handy and I set this up in like 15 minutes. Um, so I'd recommend that. That's the one I went with. There's cheaper ones from Arlo and other brands, depending on how much you care about the zoom quality and HD and night vision. Um, but I, I really like this one. So, uh, with the doorbell, by the way, do you, 
What was the installation process like? Did you need to pay someone to come do it? No, the doorbell I did not. And I'm a good lit- litmus test because, like, again, I'm really not handy. I own a drill and that's like it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it's, it was super easy. You just drill two – like it comes with a, a mounting plate and you drill a hole on the top and bottom. And as long as you can do that, then you just pop it right in. Oh, Okay. Yeah. That no, feels you doable. Can totally feels like do even, it even I could do that. Yes. I believe in you. You can totally do this. <laughs> and that's cool also that the security camera, like my mental block about some of these is that it was a big deal to install. Yes. You know? No. Um, the door, I will say that I paid somebody, we'll get into this, the smart lock, I paid somebody for it. That was hard. I had to get my dad to come over. Yeah. He was like a home builder type. And it still took him like three hours. Funnily enough, I made Cullen do it for me. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So should we segue yeah. into the smart locks? But yes. just a quick note on Arlo. David, was, the reason you love that brand is because they're like known for their security. They're known for their security. Privacy. They're HomeKit compatible and they're high quality. But yeah. I think there's a number of brands out there. So do your research if you have very specific needs because it is one of those products that most of the brands have very similar functionality. Gotcha. Um, whereas for, well, this might be true for locks, but I have a lot of brand loyalty to Yale. I really like Yale smart locks. I love Yale smart locks. Yeah. It just works super seamlessly. works really well. Mm. Um, so Don and I both have them. A couple strong recommendations because Yale smart locks are pretty customizable. So there's a bunch of different options that you can get or not get. I really recommend getting a Yale lock that has keypad so that you can give somebody a code um otherwise i used to have one that didn't have a keypad and it was really frustrating because say for example the cleaners would come and i'd try to get them to like download the app and set up an account and it's just like they have a hundred houses they clean they didn't care they didn't want to do it yeah and point being like with ones that don't have a keypad you can grant access to people through the yale app yes um, but then like that only really works if it's somebody who's willing to do that or is coming often enough that you can do that. Otherwise it is nice just to like give people a four digit code that they can use the keypad and, and use. You can also change the code really easily. So yeah, if you, you gave it to someone and don't want them to have it forever, just change your keypad code. Well, and you don't, you can actually assign them their own keypad code mm. and you can sign it for like variable amounts of time so we have a dog sitter coming next weekend and she'll have her code that will only work for that weekend and it'll only be for her and it's nice too because usually what i'll do is i will like ask them to set up a code so that they will remember it they'll know the number um so i really like that uh the other recommendation (laughs) this is another lesson learned the hard way some of them have a keyhole and some of them do not uh you use double a batteries for these and you have to remember to charge them. And if you have one that does not have a keyhole, it will lock, the battery will die, and you will have to break into your own home, <laughs> which I have had to do twice now. <laughs> it is not fun. And I broke a screen. <laughs> yeah. You don't want that to happen. I think in general, like products like that are all digital it's nice to have a hardware backup in general, to have like physical keys with a keypad and to have a keyhole so that if anything goes wrong, either the batteries run out or like something's up with the software and it's not working right, that you have a backup plan. So I've really, like, while I think smart locks are amazing, I've found ones that have also not... um, not pressable buttons that are just digital buttons to be really frustrating because sometimes they're kind of finicky and don't work right. 
So I would definitely get one that you like have manually like push press buttons. Yeah. Um, as well. Yes, I mm. agree. Uh, that's what I but got. I love as well. my my Assure Lock. It's so nice, and it auto unlocks for me um, when I pull up in the driveway. Yeah. So I don't like if I'm carrying a bunch of groceries, I don't have to. Keypad. No, that's what's so nice. It'll automatically lock when you leave the house. You don't have to worry about security, and it'll automatically unlock when you get home. So your experience is that your house is always unlocked, but everybody else's experience is that it's locked, which is exactly what you want. Yeah. Um, another customizable thing, so I want to recommend that you get the Wi-Fi version. So the Wi-Fi version means that you can uh, lock or unlock your door remotely, which is really nice. If somebody's at your house, they need to get in. This happened to me. I had a handyman over. I didn't like, I was at Walmart. I was, I hadn't come home yet. And I just unlocked from Walmart so that he could get in my house to start doing the project. He didn't, I didn't need to troubleshoot it and give him a code or anything like that. It's really nice just to be able to remotely lock or unlock your door. Um, there is one other variable that you do want to think about, which is Apple has a new feature through HomeKit, which allows you to give somebody uh, basically a digital key to your house so they don't need a code even. And it works through your uh, like wallet app. So similar to how you like double tap the home button and it'll or the power button and it'll bring up your credit card. It can also bring up a key to your house. Um, some it's a new feature. So some locks have it, some don't. Uh, the brand that the other brand that uh, people in our office use and love is called Level Lock. And they have this feature. Theirs is um, even is really streamlined. So it's a much smaller footprint, which is nice. And it also, I believe they have a model where you can use a fingerprint to unlock it, which I thought was really cool. That's nice. So that's the other one <clears throat> I have not personally tested, but uh, a couple people in our office have and really like. By the way, in our show notes for this episode, we're listing links to yes. all of these products and to our buyer's guide roundups on the website. So if, you know, we're not necessarily, we're giving you more hands-on experience, but for like all the prices and things like that, just go to our show notes on iphonelife.com. Yeah, sit back, relax, listen. And if we're going over a lot of specs that you get confused by, don't worry, you can log in later and look. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm looking now, Yale now offers that compatibility for these, they're called Apple Home Keys. So I'm loyal to Yale. I really love their locks, but Level is also a great option. Cool. Okay. We've got so much. I know we do. Um, I feel like the thermostat is a, another major essential. We've yes. got our lights, we've got our locks, our cameras, um, but the thermostat is... I arguably, if you're just going to get one thing, you should get the thermostat. We should talk about that. It's so hard to just, it really depends on your use case, but it yeah. is, I would put it as an essential. I agree. Yeah. So I have the Ecobee smart thermostat. I feel like most people are familiar with Nest. Yes. Um, I think of that as like the smart thermostat to have, but Ecobee is HomeKit compatible and the Google Nest is not. So fun, funny story. I wrote a review for Ecobee a couple years mm -hmm. ago, and I referred to Nest as being the original, uh, the original because everybody's familiar with it. Uh -huh. But they called me out and said they actually came out before Nest. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, <laughs> which I yeah. didn't know, but they apparently are the original. Um, but yes, Nest is sort of the brand most people are familiar with. Ecobee works very similarly to that. Um, but it's HomeKit compatible, which is really nice because you can then build these rules and use Siri. So you can ask Siri to turn the temperature to 70 degrees and it'll just do it. And it's 
So that, yeah, it's super nice. The The thing that I don't know, like one of the um, sales pitches of these smart thermostats is that they'll save you money yeah. because they, um, you know, when you're not home, will cool down the house, like things like that. I don't think I've spent enough time really optimizing for that. So I haven't noticed a huge change in the bill. Have well, you? It's a mixed bag too, because those automations that save you money can sometimes lead to discomfort. Like sometimes like it'll automatically turn my house a little cold and I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. Um, but the area that I have that I do use that does save me money is they come with room sensors and yeah. and you can buy extra. So I have an old home. It's like literally built in, I think, something like that. And so it's not perfectly heat distributed. So the, the, the second floor runs hotter than the first floor. So at night, I use a sensor in my room. So the first floor is about 60 degrees, but my room is perfectly comfortable. If I had a normal thermostat, my room would be really, really hot and the downstairs would be like 68 degrees and I'd be paying extra money for that. So that's, that's the a great area. use case for it. Yeah. And also it, it uses room sensors. So like hypothetically, it knows if you're at home or not and like doesn't heat it if you're not at home. I haven't really, I, I, it's so hard to know how much it's saving me or not. Yeah. But what I will say, so like, I think it's just really user friendly. Like most thermostats I've had, I used to have a, um, <clears throat> a four zone <laughs> thermostat in my old home. And it was just so confusing to yeah. program worst interface ever. And that was like a really top of the line, expensive four zone thermostat. The smart thermostats in general, they just make them really, it's kind of reminds me of car interfaces, how like CarPlay is so much better than any other one you get when you like use any yes, interface on the exactly. car, it's like horrible. I would say it's kind of like that for thermostats too. So it's like easy to program with your phone. You can use Siri if it's HomeKit. You can use sensors to, yeah, like it, tailor it to the room that you're in the most, stuff like that. And it also monitors air quality. So it'll tell you if there's CO2, high CO2 levels or right. air quality leak. Um, I have two HVAC units in my house. So I have two of them and I can manage both of them within one app. There's so many nice features, and I agree. It's just a great interface. Interface we both love at Ecobee. But it is another one that you the installation kind of sucks. yes. It's another <laughs> one where I would recommend getting a professional unless you're very handy. Yeah, my boyfriend set up the Ecobee, um, and it was like a week long process of fiddling and, and like watching <laughs> YouTube videos. I do not believe I I know that I couldn't have done it. Yes, no, I myself paid somebody to do it every time. <laughs> All right, we are getting near the end of smart home and yeah. getting to our smart pet. pet but we have a couple other ones here to round this off um if you so this is where if you get one product it's debatable because there's some essentials but the the entry i would say the gateway drug of smart homes <laughs> is this is a smart plug um and i recommend belkin wemo they have now a mini smart plug it's very compact it's smart home com or HomeKit compatible. It's easy to set up. I have a few use cases that I just love. So I have, I actually literally have three of them in my room right now. Two of them are hooked to smart lamp or to um, salt lamps because I like salt lamps in my room. They're a nice warm glow, and so it turns a, a salt lamp into a smart device. Right? I can say turn on the salt lamp, and it'll just turn it on or off. I can say turn off all the lights in my room, and it, they'll turn off. So that's really nice. Um, 
And then the third one is connected to my humidifier. So my humidifier will automatically, because again, Iowa winters, drafty house, uh, I have a standard humidifier and it'll automatically turn on at night and turn off in the morning. That's nice. Yes. And this time of year, it's great for Christmas trees. So you don't have a fire hazard. It'll turn off when you go to bed, but it'll turn on in the evening. That's the other use case that oh. I'm, I'm, I'm working on setting up once they get a Christmas tree. Yeah, this is reminding me I, I would like to get some more smart plugs because I feel like it's just so nice to be able to turn all of your electronics into a smart device that are not. And they're very pra practical and affordable. They're like, depending on where you get them and what time of year, it's like 15, 20 bucks. Like they're easy to set up. They're affordable. So that's a nice entry point. And also if you have lamps in your home that you just like as is and you like you already have like the light bulb in it like that's a, a nice way to hook it into your smart home yes exactly um it's a cheap way to do that all right i think we're ready to move on to pet gear now i Let's have one that is sort of uh, i would say it fits into both camps i actually have two that fit into both camps uh so the last one that is technically in my smart home but i also think it works as a pet gear is I have a smart vacuum now. Uh, and that's, I went with EcoVax and it's called DBot. I'm so jealous of this. Oh, it's great. Um, and so basically, I think we're all pretty familiar with smart vacuums like Roomba, Roomba. and things like that. This one is definitely on the expensive side, but with when it comes to smart vacuums, you sort of get what you pay for. So this not only vacuums, but it mops. Which I love. And it mops with like Never hot heard water. of one doing this. Yeah, it mops with hot water, which I guess then dries faster. I don't know. It's for some reason better. Uh, so you can set up to do both um, vacuum and mop at the same time. And it's crazy. It like has a whole like map of my... F Sorry, getting a slack call. Uh, <laughs> it has a whole map of my um, house. And so you can set it to do a certain room. You can be like, oh go vacuum the dining room and it'll just it's so crazy it feels like it's like on a mission it'll go vacuum it'll like zoom into this room and just do that room and then come back and empty the dustbin and uh it's pretty cool that sounds amazing i do feel the need with, to give the price on this one it is a grand yes it is a thousand dollars but i just checked the website it's on sale right now for 980. wow there you go <laughs> yeah a lot of these i think you can still get sales on so it definitely is on the expensive side i have two dogs and a cat uh and not just that they're a german shepherd and a husky so we have a lot of vacuuming to do yeah, I think if you have shedding dogs or animals, having a robot vac is like an essential yeah. because you're still going to need to clean your house. You're still going to need to do deep vacuums, but it just keeps it at bay. It yes. keeps it so that it's not like a crazy situation. Yes. I will say, though, <laughs> with any of these, there's still some management of it. So, for example, you need to make sure you have enough water in the in the tank to mop. You need to make sure your doors are open. Uh, it avoids carpets, which is nice, but every once in a while it gets stuck somewhere, way less so than the cheap ones, but it still can be like the other day it ran over a twist tie and then it got stuck and I had to go deal with it. So it does take management despite being very expensive, but it way less so than a cheap one. I'm really excited to get into our pet gear because I feel like the halo, I feel like everyone needs to know about. It's not one that I've tried personally. <laughs> and then the Phi collar is the one that I use, which I also think everyone needs to know about. Yes. Okay, let's talk about it. So I can go first. Go ahead. The Phi collar is basically like 
an Apple Watch or a Fitbit for your dog. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but it also has GPS, so it can track down your dog if it runs away from you. And um, so I have a German Shepherd, a two-year-old German Shepherd, and uh, the reason that we got the Fi Collar was I am paranoid about my dog running away, losing track of it. Yeah. If, even though I don't let him off leash myself, um, I feel like situations can arise where your dog gets away. And so I just wanted that sort of peace of mind of knowing that we could track him down. That being said, that's not the feature that's ended up being the most useful about it. Um, it has happened a few times where our dogs run away and um, it one time helped us track it down, but I have found that the GPS isn't as good as I hoped it would be. Mm. Like it sent us in the wrong direction before you can put it into lost mode and then it will refresh the, um, the GPS more frequently. And so I, I would say that feature is still really nice to have to me. It makes it worth having the collar for and paying by an annual plan at something like $4 a month for it. I think it's worth it. But the thing that's ended up being really cool about it is that it's helped us like meet our dogs, um, activity goals and needs and German shepherds need a lot of exercise. You enter in the breed that you have and it'll give you recommendations for like the step count for your dog, That's which so I think cute. is kind of adorable. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, 10,000 is kind of the standard for humans. I think 25,000 was the general recommendation for Fox, our dog. Um, and so it's just nice. Like I can see when my partner gives Fox a walk, it'll be like, oh, just Fox just got 4,000 steps in. I'll get alerts when Fox has left home or come back home. Um, I'll also get alerts if he's spotted without any owner nearby. And so it's just like nice. Also traveling when out of town, I can check on the map and see where he is, see if he is indeed getting exercise and being taken <laughs> care of properly. I did discover uh, certain people that he went to stay with that there wasn't a lot of activity happening. It's just a nice way to be like more in the know. And I yeah. feel like a better pet owner because I have the yeah, collar. Totally. Um, and it's like, to, it's similar to my Apple watch where like, I hate it. Sometimes I forget to put the fi collar on because we take it off of him at night and I'll just put, um, his leash on and take him on a walk and I'll be like, ah, oh, we didn't get credit. Oh, I hate that with an Apple watch. <laughs> I know. So it isn't, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's a great product. Uh, Lenny also is obsessed with it. So it's definitely an office favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I went with a different route. I moved from a house that had a fenced in yard to a house that did not. And so what I got was Halo. It's a, and Halo is has similar features, um, but it's it's way more expensive. Uh, but it also <laughs> can set up a smart fence. David so, has all the bougiest smart I, yeah, home I stuff. The bougiest <laughs> smart home stuff. Uh, so it's really cool because now uh, our dog has basically the entire yard, and we we have a decent sized yard, and it doesn't need to be tied up. Does we don't have a fence, but it can basically run around the yard. Um, so it's and how it works is it has uh, the collar has prongs, so it's sort of uh, it'll do a, a stimulation. If he leaves the perimeter, there's a warning and then a he a boundary violation and then an emergency correction. And so you can set each of those things up. Uh, and it's also really cool because you just draw the boundary with the companion app. So, for example, if we went camping, we could set up a boundary around our campground or things like that. Really cool. Um, and 
it also has the features that Don was talking about. So it has GPS. So if they do run away, you do see where they are. That's um, nice. And it has some activity <clears throat> trackers, although um, we don't use them as much, um, in part because the dog's just in the yard and you can run around. Uh, so those are all the good things. Now, a couple of caveats here. It requires training. So you need to train the dog to understand what this means. It's a process. Now, the Halo Caller is, uh, they partnered with Caesar Milan. He's one of the founders. Oh, you know, really? Yeah. yeah. So He's anybody like who's dogs the famous, probably knows. Yeah, dog trainer, right? Exactly. He's like the famous the dog, dog trainer. Uh, and so it comes with a series of videos, how to train it. And they're kind of fun. And they're, uh, but it takes maybe a week of training to get it, to get it right. Really? Um, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't recommend this, but I skipped ahead a little bit. We have pretty smart breeds, and they got it pretty quick. Like, within a day or two, they were out in the yard. The other caveat is I have two dogs. I have a German Shepherd, and we use it, and it's great. It's reliable. We have a Husky who are notorious for running away, and it worked great for about a month. And then the Husky decided, screw it. I'll just deal with the, the emergency corrections and run away. <laughs> so this is yeah i wanted to ask you about this because i live on a busy highway or like yeah. a block away yeah. from that and so i have decided not to get the halo for that reason because i have had a past pet that has been hit by a car you know a lot of us have had these mm -hmm. bad things happen and i think because of my location it doesn't seem quite reliable enough for me to feel comfortable but you're further from any really busy streets so do you feel with your German Shepherd, do you feel pretty secure about it? I think yes. Now, there's been a couple of... Uh, you have to know your dog. And I also want to add the major caveat that I didn't do as much training as I probably should have. Like, if Halo were here to represent themselves, they would be like, if you just trained more, it would be fine. Uh, so I think they say you can do any breed. I tend to believe them. Huskies are just the most difficult breed, so would have required way more training than I had the bandwidth to do. Um, with the German Shepherd, he is never run away. You got to know your dog. Like he, yeah. he wouldn't. It's not in his personality anyway. So it just gives reinforces it. Ninety. Like even if of the you time. saw a deer. So this is okay. The incidents we've gotten into would be he if he sees he's gotten better at this, so it does get better over time. Uh, if he sees a dog on a walk. He has sometimes ran out to greet the dog, which was, you know, you see a German Shepherd, 100-pound German Shepherd barreling at you, barking, and it's nobody's nobody's a fan of this situation. Um, <laughs> but then he gets the correction, uh, and he goes, oh, no, and he runs back. <laughs> so it's been okay. Our neighbors have learned that he's okay. Um, <laughs> but that would be the closest. Okay. But so it's, you know, the correction comes can be slightly delayed. So like the you can set up the boundary so you can make it pretty far away from the from the road mm. so that like by the time he got anywhere near the road it was like really giving him strong corrections. But also um I wouldn't say it's foolproof, but it's foolproof in the sense that he would never run away. Uh and we haven't had any incidents and he's been trained enough for it to be okay. Interesting. It seems like a really great option for a lot of people like breed dependent and also location dependent. Like yes. I have some friends who are having an issue. They live out in the country and they've been letting their dog run around. Um, and now they have a neighbor that's like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. And so this is an amazing option for them because their dog can still enjoy the countryside, but like stay within a perimeter. They're ordering a halo. Oh, perfect. The ideal use case is if you have a lot of land. 
for sure. Right. Uh, if you're in town, it works pretty well, and we use it every day, so I would endorse it. Uh, but it does require a little more training and a little more trust in your dog. Also, is it something that you would use more like when you're home? Or do you like, can you use it like all day while you're work? Your dogs can still be out. I will sometimes leave him in the yard when I go away, but I, it's usually if I'm like running to the store for five minutes. I won't just leave him in the yard when I'm gone because it does make me a little bit nervous. Yeah. Gotcha. But that seems, I mean, it seems like a pretty amazing product. Yes. Yeah. So are you ready for the next one? Because it's, it's a funny combination. Yeah. Uh, so the, the lesson I learned is, you know, who else does not like these sort of things? The mailman. <laughs> oh, no. So mailmen won't come into your yard to drop a package off at your house if you have an e-fence, which I didn't know until it was way too late, and they paused all my mail. And it was a real situation. Wait, because they get shocked? Um, they, they claim they are unsafe because they have to come into the yard to drop off the package oh. uh, or drop off the mail, and then the dog could attack them. Now, he wouldn't, but I couldn't convince him of Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So I got and but I actually am pretty obsessed with this product. It's a smart lock. It's a smart drop box. So it's by oh. a brand called Eufy, which has a whole wide range of smart products. Uh, and it's this large drop box. And basically how <laughs> it works is when you order something, you add in like, you know how you have like address one, address two? Mm -hmm. So in address two, you add the code to this drop box. So when they and you can have a code, you can set it up so like each company, like FedEx has a code and UPS has a code, um, and then you have your own code so they couldn't like come just steal your packages. And then when they come in, they put the package in it and they close it off. And you can get a notification when your packages are delivered. It has a camera built in so that you can see when the packages are delivered. Brilliant. And it keeps them safe. Like we all have this experience of people coming and stealing packages from your porch anyway. Slash, I had the experience. This was the other problem I ran into. I tried a Blue Apron. Mm, yeah. Or I should say my dogs tried Blue Apron. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... there's one of those meal kit services, by the way. Yes. Uh, so I would recommend it. Now, it's a weird one because it's uh, $399, so it's not cheap. But they've... I, it's not on sale at this exact moment. But most of the time when I look, or a lot of times I'll see it for as cheap as like $150. So if you time it right, it's a pretty affordable purchase. It's all about the sales. It's all about sales, and it's worked really well. I've been super happy with it. That's cool. Um, I feel like your smart home is very customized, and it's, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to mention just for those looking for a cheap, cheap option, I think the spicy hay cables is a fun one. Yes. I don't, we haven't personally tested this, but Leanne, one of our employees – has like a full-on farm she has bunnies kittens dogs cows <laughs> anyway yeah. she's had the issue like all of her cables have been chewed through and she can't hold on to them so she found this brand called spicy hay cables 24 dollars, and they're stainless steel and it's like they've been tested with the most like vicious little sharp kitten teeth ever yeah. and still you know withstand that so if you're looking for a cheap pet smart pet gear <laughs> Spicy heat cables. Two proof cables. Yeah. They're pretty cool. Yeah. No, and unfortunately, I mean, smart home gear is expensive and you get what you pay for. So I, yeah. I will say, I will definitely acknowledge that a lot of the products on my list were on the more expensive side, but they're super practical. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's one of my other cheaper ones. I have a PetSafe smart feeder. 
Um, and this I use for my cat. And so it just feeds the cat every morning. And if I go out of town, it'll feed the cat. Uh, super reliable, easy to set up. It has a really large tank for the food, so it could it lasts a long time. I have to just fill it like once every couple months or something like that. Um, I just really like that through you writing this article, I discovered that you have a cat named Dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Dude really likes the pet feeder. I'm like, who's Dude? <laughs> the one, oh no, this is my other functionality. My So um, the other thing I got for Dude, uh, his full name is Deuteronomy, in case, in case we care, uh, is, and this I'm obsessed with and really strongly recommend, a smart litter box. That seems like I would not have a cat without that. I'm allergic to cats anyway, but if I wasn't. Yeah, well, and like w litter boxes, they smell, and yeah. there's no good place to put them. And the best place we had in my house to put them was in the mudroom, which is right as you walk in and you're just smacked in the face with like a litter box. So, um, what I, this, how it works is, I mean, it basically has a full cylinder, and then there's litter on the bottom. So, after the cat uses the bathroom, uh, it spins in a circle and it like has a whole system as it spins where the cat litter gets dropped into a different bucket or a little like area where you with a trash bag that you then empty at some point. Uh, so it automatically clears it out. It keeps your house from smelling bad uh, and it automatically cleans your cat litter for you. Yeah, that seems amazing. The brand that I used, by the way, was called, I'm looking up the here, let me find it, um, was Leo's Lou 2. A weird name, but they have kind of quirky, fun branding. Uh, and you can see in the show notes. And the reason why I went with that one, there's a couple of them that work well. This one I found really easy to use, works well, uh, syncs with an app, but also has UV. So I think it's the only one that has UV. And so uh, it has an extra layer of killing bacteria, which I liked. I have a couple um, kitchen gear yes. recommendations. Do you do you have any you want to share? No, go ahead. I mean, I might jump in, but go ahead. So one thing recently that I wanted to upgrade was to have a good smart trash can in my kitchen. Because it's something that like having a, one that's too small that you constantly have to change and one where you're like manually opening and closing all the time, it's like not the most sanitary and mm -hmm. it's just a pain. And so Simple Human makes really nice trash cans. I've been eyeing them for a while. And they recently came out with one that it's voice activated. So you can say open can and yes. it opens and closes. It also has a motion sensor. So if you just like put your hand over it, it'll open and close. And it's just really nice not having to like touch it. So I really like it. But the reason I'm chuckling is uh, that it is very sensitive with the voice control. So now it just feels kind of similar to like a Roomba. Like it's a little <laughs> personality that lives in my house. Like we'll just be chatting on the couch and say something that sounds somewhat like open can and you'll like see it like opening and then closing <laughs> again. And I even like went and looked on their uh, support page about this and they're like, no, you can't deactivate the voice control, but it opening and closing here and there isn't hurting anyone. To us, it's not a big deal. Like I guess the downside of that feature is that if you have stinky garbage and it's opening and closing, it's like letting that out, the, the odor. But I haven't found that to be too much of an issue. It's a really well-built, nice can. It has a side for the recycling and a side for the trash. Um, 
I would highly recommend it. I like it. Yeah. In general, I love Simple Human. They have really high quality products that are just well thought out. Their trash cans I, I love in general. I The problem that I had with one, is, I, I don't have it anymore, but I had, I had a dog that figured out how to use it. Because <laughs> uh, motion sensitive, and so he would just wave his little nose right in her little nose right in front of it, and it would open up. <laughs> and so there, you know, it depends on the dog and depends on the situation. But that, um, in general, I also really liked it. Yeah, Fox has not figured that out. Yeah. I'm glad. I think it's because he's not like you. This was your great day, right? A great day. Yeah. So not the right height for yes. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one, it, and this is one I think you have also, but it's um, an air fryer. The Kosari air fryer. I have one, but mine is not intelligent, which so, now I'm sad about. The thing about it is it's like it does already have a lot of presets on it that I think any air fryer would have that you don't need an iPhone app to do. Mm -hmm. But um, the app is nice that in that you can turn it on and off through the app. But the thing that I've used it the most for is that it has recipes. And that's, you know, I, I prefer to have the recipes that are based oh, that's from cool. that brand. So like, you know, cause each air fryer is gonna be a little different. So if you look at air fryer recipes online, it might not have the best recommendation for your specific air fryer. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been, I've been happy with it. To be honest, I still feel like I'm mastering the art of air frying. Yeah, which is why the recipes sound good because I have that problem too, where like sometimes I'll just really burn something even though I felt like I followed the, re the recipe. I just made, I made, I tried to recreate like McDonald's hash browns, like the little hash brown pucks. Oh, yeah. And so I found a recipe. I actually tried an online recipe for this because I didn't find one in the Kasari app. And it like somehow, it looked so pretty and golden brown, but it was just kind of like mushy and mm. didn't, I just feel like air frying is definitely an art and yes. you kind of have to like eek out on it. So I'm still in the process of learning. But it's like, they're not that expensive. I think it was just a little over $100 for the Kasari air fryer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what I paid for mine and it, it doesn't do this. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love air frying. I agree. Sometimes I really mess it up. But other times there's certain things where I'll like to throw in the air fry into perfect like chickpeas. I love air frying chickpeas. Oh. It has this nice crunchy outside texture Ooh, to I'll it. i have to try that. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we are wrapping up. Yeah, I think you it's and been I a long both. Episode. Yeah, we had a lot to cover. Um, you and I both have the Arrow Garden, though I believe. So maybe that can be our last one. No, I don't have it. Oh, okay. tell me about yours. So this is funny because I, I didn't review it. Um, I don't even know that I got the most smartest one. So the one that got reviewed is actually more intelligent than the one I have. But it's really cool in general. It's to grow herbs and I think maybe even vegetables in your home. Like come when it comes, it comes with a light, a little tank to put water in, and then the seeds have a little like pod. So you just stick the pod in the designated slot, and you put in water once, like a, every few weeks, and it'll grow stuff for you. So we had like basil and thyme and dill and all this stuff growing, and the light will turn on at the automatic time and turn off at the automatic time, and you get a little home garden. And do you still have it? <laughs> so I do have it. The where it fell short for us was we it came with a set like a preset what vegetable what herbs you get mm -hmm. but like some of them like say thyme I'll use like a little bit every once in a while and then I yeah. just had like this whole area that was thyme and then really it was the dill just went nuts and like mm. you know we made some potato salad and then we just had all this extra dill that we didn't harvest fast enough so it got a little out of control um <laughs> So I would my Too recommendation. Too much herb bounty. Think through what herbs you use a lot and grow those. 
yeah. uh, like basil. More I wish basil, I had more, more basil. cilantro, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But no, it they grew. I would say we had the problem where one of uh, one of every five five pods didn't grow, which is I think pretty common. Yeah. Um, but in general, it worked super well. It just took care of itself, and we had a little home herb garden, which was fun. Yeah. Over time, that's a great way to save money too because like little herb bundles from the grocery store are pretty expensive i think i i will say as i watched basil grow you know because these things are expensive the one i got was like 100 bucks and the one we review he recommend here is like 200 dollars. it's a lot of basil yeah that's true <laughs> so i mean yes if you're a real home cook i think it's more fun yeah. Like when I had my family over a while ago and literally four people saw it and bought it while standing there. It's, so it's one of yeah. those things that's just fun to have in your home. It's nice to have fresh basil as opposed to store-bought and to have it when you want it. Um, I haven't crunched the numbers, but I would be shocked if you saved money on it. <laughs> yeah. It has that fun factor for sure. All so right. So we are wrapping up our episode uh, ground insiders to hear my long overdue review of the iPad Pro. Ooh. There was many episodes ago I asked podcast listeners and David to weigh in on which iPad I should buy. In that episode, I decided the one I should buy, which was the the iPad Pro, um, and I and I wanted to get the Magic Keyboard too. So I finally did make that purchase. I've been using it for the past month, and so stick around, and I'll tell you what I, I think of it. I actually have my very long overview of my new iPhone, which I never got to do. Oh. So we've got some gear reviews for insiders here. So stick around, and for everybody else, uh, two things. Number one. Like we said, go to iPhoneLife.com slash podcast to get links to all of these products and see them because I know we just covered like a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, and number two is send us an email and let us know which products you like if we missed any or if you got any of the ones we recommended. Podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.